Bonjour et bienvenue. You are listening to You Are So French, Success Stories à la Française. The podcast talking about success stories of French people in Australia. I am Aurélie, I'm from France and I've been living in Melbourne for many years. Since my beginnings down under, I've always been passionate about hearing the stories of my fellow French who found their place, their mission or their purpose so far away from their homeland. I always have so many questions to ask them. Did they have a dream when they moved to Australia? Or did their aspiration develop with their life here? And really, how did they make it happen? Our guest will share what it means to undertake a project out of their comfort zone, the cultural differences they faced, and how being French in Australia has been a bonus, or perhaps sometimes a challenge, in their endeavors. I invite you to follow inspiring journeys into different fields, entrepreneurship, personal development, relationship, or career, to name only a few. While everyone has his own definition of success and ways to reach it, courage, determination, confidence, and intuition seem to always be part of the recipe, the achievement of something positive. This is what success stories mean here and what we will discuss, with passion, honesty, and of course, a bit of an accent, in three words, à la française. In this first episode, I'm meeting with Solveig, the founder of Le Marché We Look Be. With Solveig, we talk about her last venture created in the middle of the COVID crisis, her passion for connecting people together, her determination to overcome challenges of a life in another country, and the way she has to beautifully combine together the best of Australia and France. Bonjour Solveig. Bonjour Aurélie. Thank you so much for being part of uh, You Are So French, the podcast. You are actually my first guest. So I'm really excited about that. And I wanted to thank you because I know when we had a little chat together just before, you said that something that you really enjoy doing is supporting the French entrepreneur and the French community. And uh, I'm sure you will tell us a bit more about that. But yeah, thank you. My pleasure. I love like when there's a good initiative like that I find uh, different and it's not about being French, but when there's young entrepreneur or designer and there's a good connection, that's something I like to support because I've been through that myself to start my business. And when I, I find that someone has a great idea that I like it, I just think it's just um, nice to support new projects, new ideas. It actually doesn't cost me anything just uh, just to give back after being a new entrepreneur myself. Oh, that's great. Well, you already touched on many things that uh, we're going to explore together. But just to start, maybe to get to know you a little bit more, can you tell us maybe where you're from? Obviously, from France, but whereabouts? How long you've been in Australia? So my name is Solveig Coulon. I've been in Australia for nine years. I arrived in Australia on the 1st of January, 2013. I was born in Paris, but I grew up mainly in south of France, in Provence. And um, I came to Australia nine years ago because back then I was um, married to an Australian uh, rugby player. 
And we had two children, two girls that were born in France. And nine years ago, we decided to move to from Nîmes. We were in Nîmes and we moved from Nîmes to Sydney nine years ago. You've been living in Sydney all this time? Yes, I lived one year in uh, more in the West, uh, which was not a great fit for me, to be honest. It was a bit of a cultural shock. Uh, because when I came to Australia, basically I just dropped everything. It was a bit of a quick decision that we made um, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know Australia very well. I came to Australia twice for maybe a week or two on holidays and I arrived here. We were living uh, an hour in from Sydney in the West. And when I arrived there, I was not at all what I was expecting. It was really hard for me to connect uh, with people. And I was not what I, I was expecting. So um, we moved to Sydney in the North Shore just for me to be in a bigger city. It was just easier for me to adapt because uh, it is a big um, difference in terms of culture and it's fine. I love uh, discovering a new culture, but I felt like Sydney was a better fit for me to meet people and also to start my business. So I've been living um, in Forestville. It's a bit of a French quarter, French mafia suburb in Sydney mm -hmm. because there is a French bilingual school. So it's a public school with it's an Australian public school with a French program which is nice because it allows me to meet other French people but still uh, mix with Australian you know so for my children they still learn French um, they connect with French people but also Australian it's a mix of the two cultures which is which is a perfect fit for us because that's how our family family works we are French Australian and we want to be part of the Australian system and lifestyle and just keep in touch with the French culture because both of, both of my children were born in France and they're very attached to, um, to France. Before going back to your business, because you did mention uh, you were starting a business, but I just want you to talk a little bit about this very interesting connection that you seem to always want to make between France and Australia or French culture and Australian culture. And I know, um, again, because we had a little chat before that in your background and your personal history, you have a connection with haute couture and maybe fashion. And you also told me that uh, referring to the title of the podcast, you are so French that you hear that all the time. So can you tell us a bit more, how do you think this connection with haute couture maybe define you? And, and also, what do you hear and what do you understand when people tell you, oh, you are so French, so vague? Yeah, people tell me that all the time, <laughs> every day. Every day, I always say, um, if I if I would charge people a dollar every time someone tell me you're so French, I would uh, be a millionaire today. I would not need to work for the rest of my life. And it's actually a, an interesting question because people tell me that, oh my God, you're so French, and and I don't know what it means. Really, it means 
it means a lot, but it's hard to point it at the same time. I don't know if you feel the same about that. I guess it's about an attitude and maybe the way I, of course, the accent, but the way I, I connect with people, like I'm, a, I'm very outspoken. I'm from South of France, so I speak quite loud and I'm very upfront. Um, I've got a bit of a, you know, sassy, cheeky sense of humor and people find that funny. Maybe the, the way I, it's just the attitude, I, I suppose, maybe the way I dress or um, like people comment quite often on my shoes because I've got a big collection of Patricia Blanchet shoes. I'm a big fan. <laughs> and so I always wear them and people always comment, oh my God, where are these shoes from? So I always take a bit of a sassy tone and I say, oh, they come from Paris <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> um, but it's, it's always... People always say that in a very kind and gentle and loving way. And I think we French people living now in Australia, we can all agree that we are very, very lucky to be French in Australia because Australians are so fond on the French language, the French culture, the country. People are, there's, I always say there's a love story between France and Australia and between Australian and French people. And it both, it works both ways. I find that us, I'm French, I'm Australian as well now, but um, I like how Australian, I like the, the mentality and the way of thinking of, of Australian people. And there's something sweet and kind and gentle about it and very positive that I love, non-judgmental. But I can see that Australian people are in love with anything French in a nice way. You always receive it as a compliment anyway. It's, uh, it's interesting how we don't always know exactly what it means, probably depend on people, but we feel that it's positive. It's funny because when you're in France... You don't realize that you're French, you live in France. But when you come, for example, in Australia and you see when you tell people, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm from France, I'm from Provence. And you see people's face just lighting up and the smile and it's like a dream. Everything, when you, you tell stories about your life in France, where you used to live and your family, people listen to you with big eyes wide open and a big smile and it's also the language I have a lot of people telling me I could listen to you and your accent all day <laughs> which is funny uh, it's it's always and 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 now I, I feel very lucky because we are I was always very well welcome and people were always kind and very positive I never felt ever any sort of racism ever which is yeah. rare because you know racism is part of our society and Australia being a country with I think there's 225 different backgrounds in Australia I know there is racism happening 
but I never felt anything like that in Australia. And I'm very, I feel lucky and I'm very, very grateful for that. Well, we invite uh, all our Australian friends listening to this podcast to listen it over and over and over again to hear your, your accent. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good transition because the Frenchness, the French dream, you mentioned the word dream, the French experience is actually at the core of your business. So do you want to tell us a bit more about what you do? When I arrived in Australia, I left a very corporate job and I, I came here, I really didn't know what to do. I had no idea. I thought my English is not perfect, what I'm going to do. So it was a bit scary and I, I thought, okay, maybe it's time for me to start my own business because I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom was an entrepreneur in um, haute couture, in fashion in France. And uh, my dad is an entrepreneur. Like there's this entrepreneurship going through uh, in my family. So I thought you may as well, now that in Australia, just try to do something just for yourself. And I did start nine years ago, I started a business um, in French linen. So I created a brand of French linen, homeware, tablecloths. Uh, um, I designed with my mom and handmade in a little workshop in Australia, in France, sorry. Um, and that led me to the, the market because I was selling my product, products on markets in Australia. And then I met, I started to meet other artisans and foodies and French and Australian actually. And I went back to events. It's a bit of a long story because I worked in events since the age of 18. What, during my studies in France, I was financing my, my university by working for events businesses. So I worked in huge businesses like big fairs. I worked for Chanel in Paris. I worked for the World Cup um, Soccer World Cup in 98. Like I was really very lucky to work for big, big, big events. And I fell in love with event management, but I was a low student, so it was not quite a good fit. And so I worked in event for seven years. And when I came back to Australia, I slowly went back to event just by accident, just to help some friends around I say oh we've got an event going can you help us and then going back to events with my friends just reminded me how much I love organizing events and then I thought okay well maybe you can do that again so I started by organizing Bastille markets in July which was just a one-off a year And then it was very popular, very successful. So I organized a couple more during the year. I did like a Christmas in Paris event and um, uh, en Provence market. And it was always very well received. And I was lucky to have a great team of stallholders because I was connecting with these guys for eight years while we were selling together on the markets. And uh, last year, After the first lockdown, I decided to, the lockdown was a good time for me just to reflect and step back and thinking about what I wanted to do. And I started to open Le Marché, which is a fortnightly market. So it's a market 
that happens twice a month on the second and the fourth Sunday of the month. So it's a regular event. And we, I offer a range of food, so there's 70% of food and the rest are artisan and handmade products. So it's a bit of a long journey, but um, that's now I'm 100% working in events. I still have my French linen business, but I work more um, with uh, shops. So I do more wholesale um, and now I'm, 90 yen, 100% of the time I'm, I'm running my, my event. So I'm organizing more events now outside of Sydney because I want to share the, the atmosphere of the events and take it outside of Sydney where there's not as many French festivals happening. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. With all these um, businesses, because you didn't start with the Marche, but maybe generally speaking, what were the, the challenges with starting and setting businesses in Australia? And more specifically, I guess, Le Marche is very interesting and brave because you you actually starting that in the middle of COVID. So probably it brought as well challenges. There's different challenges on different levels. The main challenge I had to face was on a personal level, two times. Because when we moved here with my family nine years ago, we started from scratch. So I had a good job, a good situation. I was uh, owning my own house in Nîmes and I had a good job. I was making good money. And I just dropped that to go to a very uncertain life in Australia, which sounds very crazy now when I think about it, but I don't regret it at all was probably one of the best moves I ever made if I look back. The, the big challenge was to start again from scratch with nothing uh, and in another country, in another culture. That was my first challenge. And the second challenge is that three years after I arrived to Australia with my family, I made the decision to um, leave my husband back then. So that was another start over because the reality of living in Sydney, Sydney is, is one of the most expensive cities in the world. So it looks very glamorous from the outside to go, oh, let's go and live in Australia and start a business. But the reality is the, the cost of living is crazy. And as a single mom, it was, basically starting again and uh, the reality of that is that financially my business was it was okay when I, I had a partner but on my own the so I had to I went through three years where it was really really tough because I had to keep I didn't want to give up on my project I didn't want to sabotage my project and my business but the reality is the, the, the way I was working when I was with my husband was not working financially anymore. And I had to rechange and reshape that again. So it was hard because I had to, I had two jobs for three years. Uh, I had to do jobs that were, I was not interested at all. It was exhausting because when you run a business and you have to have a job just for the cash, I was working a lot and then that was a big challenge. And also to say, 
to think, okay, you came to Australia with your family and now you're by yourself. I've got no family here, so no support. And lucky I've got a group of amazing friends, sisters that became like family. And they are just very, very, very supportive. Um, that makes me feel very emotional to talk about that actually, because my friends, they are, they believe in me and they lifting me up. They have my back, we have each other's back. And without my friends, I would not be where I am today, actually. There's no way without them. So um, that was a massive challenge just to basically say, oh my God, now you're kind of stuck in Australia by yourself have you made a mistake have you was it a mistake to live your life because my parents are in France they were not very happy you know about me moving here and now being alone and to not give up on my business but still make a living and reshape my whole life by myself here 20,000 kilometers away from my my whole life so that was a big big challenge but I didn't um, give up. I had to work on being more resilient and braver, certainly, but also learn to accept people help. And that was a big change because you can't do it on your own. And if people ask, offer you their help, you need to take it. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. So um, it was three, three years of, lot of work and struggle i have to say because it looks all effortless like i said and glamorous and fun from the outside but the reality is not that glamorous and that's okay that's a decision i made and i'm owning it and it was i i grew through that experience it made me a different person probably a better version of myself and today i don't have to have a second job i can live um, 100% on my business, but also be focused on my business 100% and give it everything to make it work and grow it. So Le Marché was a big um, risk because like you said, it was launched during the pandemic. We launched in September 2020. So we had to have COVID protocol in place and but the markets grow so much in a year time, like it's fantastic. And it's a big achievement. So that was a personal challenge and the, the more professional challenge where they, they are all learning experiences. That's what um, I look at the challenges, even if on the spot when it happens, I sometimes, <laughs> It's hard, but after all, I go, that's, that's fine. You're learning, you're progressing. You're, it's just make you stronger and have more skills and more knowledge. So the, the challenges were trying a new market and, and get a team together, get a good team of vendors together. Um, make a, like having a market every two weeks, you need to keep, consistency in the offer of produce for the, the, the customers, but you also need to attract enough customers to keep your stallholders. Because if the stallholders don't sell enough, they don't come back. And if they don't come back, customers come and they go, oh, there's 
less and less tools so customers don't come back. And then, so it's, it's very hard work to maintain, to maintain, make sure you, we get the traffic and we get the customers and the right customer, not the right customer, but our customers, you know, our Francophile, our Francophone, so we need to attract this specific, this specific customer. So it is hard work. Um, I had someone lately asking me, oh, so what do you do during the week? And I'm like, well, that's what I do. Like, it's not just I, I click my fingers and the markets happen every two weeks. It's actually a lot of work in terms of social media and accounts. And you need to be on deck about everything. You need to be uh, able to deal with the logistic and electricity and go and get a, a generator and manage um, staff and manage customers and manage also stallholders because I've got sometimes up to 40 um, vendors at the market and you need to manage everybody's mood and you know availability and request. So you, it's amazing because I grew and I learned so many different skills because I am alone to run that market and I do everything. So the challenge was sometimes I had to say um, a little bit of um, sexism. Sometimes I had to face a bit of patronizing and people were men, especially were not very, taking me really seriously. So I had to stand up but in an Australian way, not the French way, because the French way is to be very outspoken and upfront and it can come across being aggressive. So I had to soften the way I would address things, but also prove that I'm a professional and it's got nothing to do with being French or being a woman. Because once, just for the little story, I was, um, two years ago, I had, when it was the first uh, lockdown, I went to, the police station to to speak to them about the the, the market and <laughs> and the, the person that was in front of me rang his his boss and said oh I've got a French lady here with me in the office and she she's running a market and I was uh, oh am I a French lady running a market or I'm just a market operator what what is it it's got nothing to do with being French or being a woman, right? And I don't think he would have said, oh, I've got a, an Italian man here today in my, in my office. People would not say that. So that was little things where I could see I had to step in and people were sometimes. And when you, when you start a new business, there's a bit of an imposter <laughs> syndrome as well. We all get that, I guess. So that's where you need to go. No, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. Um, but again, that's, that was a, a good um, learning experience. The challenge was to also not come across as being non-inclusive because I didn't want to say this is a French market and that's it. No, I wanted to bring French produce and French artisan products, but also I wanted to include Australian farmers and artisan people with talent with passion i wanted to make a mix of both culture 
I didn't want to tell to people, this is French only because that's not okay for me. I'm not French only, I'm also Australian and I, it didn't sit well with me. So that was, it was a bit of a, I had to be careful about how I put that market together just to make sure that, to show people that I wanted to be inclusive of, it's about French culture, yes, but it's also about Australian farms and producer and, and I wanted to value these guys, wine producer, um, beekeepers, people that have a passion and a talent. And it, again, it's got nothing to do be, of being French or Australian. It's about being a talented and passionate artisan or entrepreneur. So that was a challenge because again, I didn't want to um, yeah, come across as being non-inclusive. How do you make this happen? Because I feel like it's really an important part of everything that you do, you know, in your life here. And this is something that I find very beautiful and inspiring. But how do you make the magic happen between Australian farmers, the French artisan, all participating in the same market with your customer coming? They want, obviously, a bit of a French experience, but they are also very happy to find quality Australian products. So how do you make this magic happen? To be honest, I think I might sound a bit cringy, but it's okay, I'm owning it. <laughs> um, I think it's about authenticity. It's about, I, I do things, everything I do, I do it with my, with my passion, with my heart. And so I think people can feel that. Customers can feel that, that it's done with, it's genuine. Yes, it's my business. Yes, um, it's my, my living. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do it for, the, I, my, my reason is I want to value artisans. I want to promote that. And I want to connect people. I want to connect the community. I want people to come and catch up at the market. I want them to talk with the producers. So how it happens, the magic, and thank you for saying that. I take that as a compliment is, is when I contacted the stallholders, I contacted them for the quality of their produce. But why we connected is because we speak the same language. So when I speak about my, my events and how I want to run it and why, what I want to create, the stallholders that speak the same language as me, they were like, yes, we love that. And... All the stallholders and the vendors that I've got, they have this, this passion and they, they understand what I'm talking about when I explain what I wanted to create it. So I, I rank every, every stallholder that I wanted to have part of my team. I actually gave them a call because I thought it was better way to connect and, and for them to feel and get a sense of who I was. And people said to me, yes, straight away, which is magic. It's amazing. And, they, and that's why the market is growing. It's because they, the way they engage with the customer is fantastic. It's just so genuine and fun and, and positive and happy. And each individual, each stallholder, some of them are loud. Some of them are very shy and they are all have a different personality, but that adds up to the soul of the market because 
what I think we achieved. And when I say we, it's because I, yes, I'm the chef d'orchestre, <laughs> but I couldn't do it with, with our blue team because each of individuality is creating this amazing soul of Le Marché where it's more than a market. It's more than just a place where you go and buy your food. It's also a place where you go and have a chat with the lady that sells the cheese and you go and have a chat with the guy that sells the saucisson because Jean-Marc, for example, who sells the saucisson, knows the name of all his returning customers. And people are just amazed by that. They come and tell me and say, oh my God, Jean-Marc, he remembers my name and he knows exactly what I order every two weeks. And he, do, he does it because he loves it. That's the way he's engaging with customers and that's fantastic. Uh, some of them are very funny and loud. So um, that's, that's how we created the, the magic and the soul, because people come to the market to connect with the stallholders, but also to connect with their community, because we've got, basically, we've got the market, and then we've got the artisan, and we set up like a little cafe with tables and chairs, so people come and sit, have a chat, have lunch, have breakfast. So it's more than a market. It's just a place for the community. And I always say that in Europe, when you have the local market on Saturday morning, it's the heart, the soul of the village where people, everybody go to the market at a different time on Saturday morning and you, you see your, your, the school teacher of your kids and you have a chat or you go at the cafe because you know that at the local cafe, there'll be always someone that you know and you go and for a cafe or a glass of wine and you, you tell people, oh, let's meet at the market on Saturday or I'll see you at the market. And that's the vibe that we have now in Le Marché in Willoughby, which is fantastic. It's magic. It's, it's exactly what I, I had it um, designed in my head. You could share um, maybe a little story or anecdotes that will for you illustrate a little or big success of Le Marché. Could be either for you on a personal level that you experienced in this last year with Le Marché or maybe one of your artisans or partners that you work with. My biggest um, success is the customer's feedback. That's my biggest success because we have a lot of regular returning visitors and customers and now we know each other's name and we say hi and we chat but the feedback that people give us give me is just the best it's just so nourishing and encouraging for me because people come and say thank you so much for bringing le marché to us we love it It's our little bubble of happiness, especially during lockdown, because we, we remained open. People said, we look forward to come to the market on the weekend. We love it. It's so unique. The food is amazing. That is just the best reward, because I can see that, again, it's more than the market, and we bring something, a little bit of happiness on Sunday morning to people. And I can see the way people are behaving. There's two little girls. <laughs> Um, they're, I think they are four and six years old, uh, Queenie and Avery, and they are so cute. And they come every two weeks to buy some chouquettes. They are Australian and they come with their dad 
and um, they always come and give me a cuddle, give me a kiss, and they bring me a little drawing. And that type of things for me, it's just like, I'm like, well, I'm happy. That's just, I love, my, I love what I'm doing and it just reinforced the, the passion that I've got for, because um, people, people are connecting, people are feeling happy and, and that's what I want. So that's, that's a, a success on a, on a bigger, more serious level. In July, um, the Daily Telegraph and the Sydney Morning Herald wrote uh, an editorial a special Bastille Day um, article in the newspaper. We had uh, a little article about the market. It was about where to find the best French food in Sydney. And the marché was um, in, the, in the best French food option in Sydney saying that I curated the best French foodies in New South Wales. And we do have the largest selection of French foods for regular market in all Australia. There's no other regular market offering such a big selection of French food. So that is a big success. And that was nice. It's not on, on an, not for my ego, maybe a little bit actually, but it was just nice to see the name of the market just being recognized for the hard work and the good quality products um, we have. And I can see now because stallholders now are recommending Le Marché to other stallholders and they know exactly what I'm looking for. And they bring amazing foodie on a gold platter to me. And that's great. So I've got, for example, um, I've got now um, Stephen Hodge um, joining the team next week and he's, he's one of the best um, seafood chef is a master in all Australia and he's coming to sell his um, trouts and seafood on the market from next week so that's just they are just so unique and high quality and gourmet food I'm, I feel very privileged and lucky and grateful to have those type of people wanting to come and sell at the market it's fantastic and it's fantastic to give access to that as well to my customers because they are produced that you can't really find easily. So that's a big success and see like how much the market has grown in a year. Just overall the quality of the produce that we propose to people and also the, the amazing vibe between the stallholders and customers and on a human uh, level it's just uh, nice to experience that actually it's quite incredible when you think that you are talking about a business le marché that was created just one year ago and and what a year it was so yeah it's pretty impressive you mentioned the the chouquettes for our non-french friends who don't know what chouquette is well we invite you to go to le marché and uh, and try it's a must try, so you need to come early because uh, they sell out very quickly. <laughs> it's they are the star of the market, the chouquettes. <laughs> very hard to find in Australia. Yeah. Very, very. I think we didn't say exactly where is Le Marché. You mentioned in, uh, in the suburb of Sydney, but where exactly can we So Le Marché is in Willoughby, 
which is um, just when you cross the bridge on the lower north shore of Sydney. It's a beautiful, cute little suburb uh, where Gladys is from. And she's a, she's a local MP. We moved location and we are now located in Laurel Bank Cottage. It's a historic building. It's a cottage, it's an historic cottage with amazing garden. And at the back, there's a car park, but it looks like a little village. So this place is just a perfect fit for our market because it just lifts this little village atmosphere. We used to be um, in Club Willoughby, which was great because we had big greens, but it was just like a, an empty big space. As here, Laurel Bank, there's little corners with flowers and grass and big trees and jacaranda. And people said to me last week, we came to the market and we felt like we were in a little village in France. We're listening to people speaking French. And it's just, it just lifting the, the atmosphere of the market. It makes a lot, a big difference. So again, I'm so lucky because there's no many places like that in Sydney. And they were very happy to have the market, which was a hard process to get an approval from the council. It took me six months of really expensive and long and painful um, administrative, you know, things you have to do. And that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I, you have to do it. It's normal in terms of safety and waste management and traffic and car park access and so that was a, a, a long process. Very happy to, to, be, uh, to be in Laurel Bank Cottage. So what's next for Le Marché, for yourself? You seem to be pretty active. So I'm sure you have some things on your sleeves. Well, yeah, you know, that's apparently it's when you, you, you never, if it gets too easy, that's, that means you need to, you, you can do better. When things, so I'm not saying it, it's easy, not at all. I tell you that running a market during lockdown was really hard. Keep the balance with giving access to customers to their regular market. That was great, but also maintaining business for the artisans because markets are their main source of income, but also doing that in a safe environment. That was a big, big challenge, but again, a great learning experience. So next, I would love to actually run the same market south of Sydney. So keep uh, the Le Marché Willoughby on the second and fourth Sunday, but I would also like to make it travel to south of Sydney. So I'm actually looking for venues, which is really, really hard uh, to find, but I will find it will, might take a bit of time. So because People travel from actually far to come to Le Marché, but I think it would be good to just have a regular event um, in, the, in the south of Sydney. But I'm also working with um, venues more in the region. So with Newcastle and Barrow, which are all like about two hours away from Sydney, just to bring also the experience because it's really an experience to the, the regions in New South Wales. So I've got the news, that's good. 
And uh, now it's more about making it happen because with COVID I had to postpone and cancel so many events. So it's just a matter of time and patience and it's happening. And now because um, Le Marché have a very good image de marque, uh, it's easier for me to have some door opening because I have got some feedback. I've got, I can show that we are COVID safe. I can show that the market is very well received. So it's easier as last year when I started from nothing to convince people and have people on board, it was a, a bit more work. So that's where I'm going for my next step next year, 2022. Well, we wish you a lot of luck with all of these beautiful projects. So if we want to follow Le Marché and um, keep in touch with all of these new things to come, where, where can we find you? So we've got a Facebook page, Le Marché Willoughby, and also an Instagram account, same, Le Marché Willoughby. So we are open, yeah, on the second and fourth Sunday, we'll take a few weeks break over Christmas and um, January school holidays and we're open um, all the rest of the year. We've got a little twilight market also in two weeks time, an extra market with uh, more like artisan shopping at night with a champagne bar and fairy lights. So we hope the weather it's going to be good. It's always a big challenge when you're in the market is the weather. Just before we, we jump to the, the snap question of the end, I just wanted to say thank you so much because you really share with a lot of honesty and very openly your journey. And you know the, the title of this podcast is Success Stories. But of course, we all know that success comes, as you say, with a lot of challenges and, and it's not always easy and pink, but you really share, you know, the, the full story. And I really wanted to, to thank you for that. So the last uh, quick question, what is the most French and the most, I think that we know already <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> what, is the, what is the most Australian about you, Solveig? The most Australian so you ask me that question, you know, it's very hard to define yourself when people ask me that question. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting and hard question to answer. The most Australian, I would say, so for the, the, another little story, when I moved to Killarney Heights, I went for dinner with Australian moms and the first thing, and they all came with uh, their own bottle of wine in the restaurant. I never seen that uh, bring your own. I was like, what are you doing? They had a little esky, you know, that was the first time I saw that. That was funny. And they were all saying that they were waking up at five o'clock in the morning or 5.30 to go exercise. And I was just speechless. I was like, what do you mean you wake up at five, 5.30 and you go exercise before the kids go to school? Like, I'm fast asleep and, you know, I, I used to wake up at 7, 7.30. I couldn't believe it. But I actually changed my mind. And that's something I became very Australian is that I wake up now quite early in the morning, which I never did. My mom can't believe it. I used to sleep in like till 10, 11 a.m. before I had kids. So I usually wake up a few times a week. Uh, especially in that, that started before lockdown. And I, I, I go to the, the beach in the morning at 5.30 just for um, sunrise. 
and I walk in the morning, I exercise. And since last winter, I'm doing something that I'm very proud of and I can't believe I'm, I'm doing it. I, go, I was going for a swim in winter at 7.30 with my really good friend Marion. So we said, okay, let's do it. Because we were seeing all these Australian people going for a swim. I was like, my God, they're crazy. It's seven, seven o'clock, must be freezing. And we said, okay, let's do it. And it's, we've been doing it for a couple of months now. So we go for a walk, have a coffee, exercise, and then we finish with a swim. When it was like sometimes seven, eight degrees outside. And it's just the best thing ever. And again, I'm so grateful that I'm living in Australia because the outdoor and the connection with, um, with the nature is just life-changing. So I've been doing that now for a few months, going for a swim in the morning. And I put my hug boots after I have a swim. So I'm very Australian. I, I, I don't care about what people think, which is a big change for a French person, as you know, because in France, we, we do care about other people's opinion and how we look like, and if we have makeup and if our hair are okay. And I don't care at all about that anymore. I just go for a swim, put, put my head boots, my big, um, um, I've got this special uh, swimming poncho. I'm, I've got the whole uh, gear. And it's just the best because it gave me a sense of um, uh, helps really a lot in terms of being focused and energized and having some time to be grateful about the life that we live because I, I feel very grateful to live in Australia. It's so beautiful and peaceful and amazing and it's life changing. So that's, that's where I became very Australian, I think, doing that but also growing a sense of community that I discovered. And I don't think I had that in, uh, in France, just uh, the, how the, the sense of community is so strong. And I admire that. That's something I love with Australian people. If there's someone in the community that um, is in distress or have um, lost um, a family member, like everybody's gonna go and cook or support financially or gives, there's the community is always behind and that's amazing. And I, I actually experienced it when we were processing our DA for the market because the community was behind the market to make sure the market would survive. And the people sent letters to the council saying, this is our market, we love it. It brings so much life in Willoughby please don't let it go, we, 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 we love it. And it was very emotional to read those letters. I couldn't believe it, like how powerful the, the, the letters that were very, very strong emotionally. People were very involved. And yeah, the sense of community, that's something I, I, I think I embraced now as being Australian. I think you, you answered this question. Very well, very inspiring. So the last word already, if you could define the test of success, what would it be for you? Ah, the taste of success. I think for me, the taste of success is freedom. That's a big one. Uh, being free of running the business with being able to give full um, to my creativity and 
sometimes I've got crazy ideas about decors and I've got bikes and and people I had people saying you don't need to do that and I say yeah maybe but it's, I liked the idea and people love it actually so that's the freedom of decision and and it's not about being in control don't get me wrong it's just about um, there's no limit there's no limit when you you are an entrepreneur and you start to become successful. There's no limit to your creativity, to your ideas, as long as you do um, things with your heart and for the good reason and with professionalism, I think. So the freedom, especially being a single mom, I can adapt my time for my kids. And for example, I never work during any school holidays. Um, but I work hard the rest of the time, harder, twice as much, but I spend all my school holidays with my kids at halftime. And I can take them somewhere, like we're going back to France in January. So, um, of course, the, and also for me, is, um, the success for me brought to me a sense of belonging. I finally doing the job, my dream job, something that I enjoy so much doing and it's so rewarding on so many levels. So it's that sense of achievement. And again, it's not about money. It is also about finance, of course, it'd be realistic, but it's so just about things. This is what I'm meant to do. This is me. And, and I feel a sense of achievement and sense of belonging. This is where finally, that's where I, I should be. That's I love what I'm doing. Um, even again, if sometimes it's hard and challenging, that's a, that's a, I would say the the taste of success and also knowing that you bring a little touch of happiness to people's life. Because I've got, for example, I've got a a lady that comes to the market, Margaret, that I knew from when I had my first business the table class and now she comes to the market and she's a, a, a an older lady she always comes to the market and we have a coffee together and we give each other a hug and she loves it she comes and eats a crepe it's a little treat on sunday she lives alone on you know, she's got family in australia but she lives alone in a retirement village and i can see that's a little treat and i enjoy that so much to just bring that to people and again, it's not about ego. It's about, I like to give back because I had people supporting me and giving me so much, especially my friends, that uh, when you can give back, it's just a nice feeling just to give a bit of happiness to people or support or a hug or whatever, just uh, kindness. So uh, I think the taste of success is to grow that sense of gratitude and compassion that I discovered with um, running that business. I hope you will experience that really with your podcast. That's all I wish you. Thank you, Solveig. Well, I wish you to feel as free and as connected with this beautiful community that you've created as long as possible, as much as possible. Et merci. Merci beaucoup, Solveig. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be your first guest and I Really, I uh, wish you all the best with your podcast because I think it's a fabulous idea and I'm sure people will love it. Thank you. À bientôt. À bientôt. Thank you for listening to this episode. 
I hope you enjoyed the conversation and felt inspired to write your own success story, whatever you want it to be. You can find all the references in the notes of the episode. I like hearing from you, so don't hesitate to share your feedback and suggest me new guests. You can find me on Instagram at youarsofrench.thepodcast or email me at youarsofrench.thepodcast at gmail.com. To finish, I would love it if you could help me make this podcast my success story by rating You Are So French, the podcast on your favorite streaming platform with stars, the more the better. You can also subscribe to never miss an episode and of course, tell your friends and family about it. Merci et à bientôt